640 Toronto presents Think Tank. Two guests, Toronto's top stories. Now, let's meet the guests. Okay, here we have it. Think Tank 736 on this Wednesday morning, going up to double-digit temperatures in the middle of November. Who could complain? Stephanie Smythe joins us right now. It's great to have you on. Good morning on this beautiful day. It is beautiful. What a great start. And Mark Saunders, former uh, chief of police for the city of Toronto, joins us now as well. Thanks for your time and expertise. Good morning, Greg. Um, Let's start here. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau uh, with some comments last night. And, you know, we used to accuse Donald Trump of of tweeting at three in the morning. But somehow, some way, Trudeau's statement got to the Israeli prime minister somewhere between two and three a.m. because he clapped back. I'll give you the Trudeau clip and our audience if they haven't heard it. He didn't challenge or threaten Israel, but was a very it was a very pointed statement. I'll let our audience hear it and we'll talk about what he said. I have been clear that the price of justice cannot be the continued suffering of all Palestinian civilians. Even wars have rules. All innocent life is equal in worth, Israeli and Palestinian. I urge the government of Israel to exercise maximum restraint as the world is watching. Okay, Steph, let's start with you. Um, Those aren't two words that make tremendous sense together. They almost maximum and restraint kind of contradict each other. When you listen to that that clip, what do you take from it? It's almost like an an oxymoron. Um, I think that, uh, you know, Trudeau is obviously and he mentioned it further on in his clip uh, because it goes on for quite a bit his statement. But he was saying, you know, again, the world is watching on TV on social media, testimony of doctors, survivors, you know, they're witnessing the killing of women, children, babies, and it has to stop. So it tells me, you know, he is seeing what is playing out and feeling the pressure of what is playing out on social media, um, you know, which is the the TikTok reporting um, and all the stuff that is on the socials that is not necessarily vetted or verified. But, you know, this is where a whole generation is getting their news right now about what's happening in Israel or rather in Gaza with uh, this conflict now or war. Um, when it comes to, to you know, this uh, maximum restraint to me and this speaking to to uh, Israel about how they they take action, you know, he can do it. He's, you know, Canada, a relatively small player, but the clap back from Netanyahu that we're seeing, he would never clap back that same way with U.S. if they if they did make that kind of statement, right? I think the fact that Canada is a smaller player allows him to, you know, just give a little bit of the, uh, you know, hey, by the way, you know, when it comes to his statement this morning or overnight from uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. But again, you know, Trudeau's tone is in line with, you know, the the Biden administration as well. So there's the humanitarian concerns that are going on here, and he's playing, he's answering that in in a way, shape, or form that, you know, might not be palatable to uh, a lot of others. Mark, how do you see um, the the comments? Um, And to Steph's point, it's different from the United States, only at the U.S. laid it out there and said, we're watching Israel closely. We asked Israel for that human, those humanitarian corridors, but they also made the point per U.S. intelligence 
And we had a clip from Bill Clinton about it yesterday saying it way far back as 2016. Hamas's strategy load up these hospitals with uh, with with like like hide in Hamas hospitals. Keep your munitions below the hospitals. Use schools. Use hospitals. I mean, the concept of human shields is very prominent for Hamas's tactics. And it's the one rebuke of Trudeau, I think, is there is that he didn't didn't seem to mention that and just seemed to, to, to ask one side to follow the rules, knowing the other side won't. How do you see it? Well, listen, first off, the, the reason why U.S. isn't getting rebuked is because the U.S. wouldn't have made those comments. Hamas is a recognized terrorist organization, and, and the world knows that. And every leader's voice matters in this particular case. So the plan was on October 7th to slaughter as many Jews as they could, bring back hostages, and then hide under bunkers and under hospitals and use humans as shields because that's what terrorist organizations do. That's what the Taliban does. That's what ISIS did. We have to understand that we cannot in any way, shape, or form allow any terrorist groups to take leadership or ownership and move forward in a positive way. Those hostages have to be released. And, and, you know, we have to answer to Prime Minister Netanyahu on this because, listen, when the Hamas leader, when, when Ghazi Hamad said that Israel is not a country, Israel has no place uh, to be on our land, we must teach Israel a lesson and we will do this again and again. Uh, you know, as, as my wife told me, if someone tells you who they are, believe them. And this is the case. Hamas has to be removed in order for an opportunity for the Palestinians to really grow and develop. They've got over 500 kilometers of mm. tunnels and they're bunkered there. Steph, I look and I, I know one of the questions I was going to ask you both is, does, mm -hmm. does Trudeau's voice matter? But when I'm typing that out, I'm not expecting uh, Benjamin Netanyahu at two in the morning Jerusalem time. To, to have such a harsh rebuke and, and response. So, I mean, world leaders didn't ask for this conflict to arise. But then when the spotlight comes on, just like, a, you know, President Bush wouldn't have said, hey, um, let's see how I respond to 9-11. Nobody knows until that moment happens how they're going to respond. But they have to. And, and obviously, a lot of spotlights are on every world leader. Mm -hmm. And Netanyahu has to double down. Constantly, because there's other narrative that is very strong as well right now. We've been seeing it in the streets with the, the protests, uh, you know, for the pro-Palestinian protests. So it's got to be slapped down as quickly and as emphatically as possible. And Netanyahu's been doing the rounds. We saw last week he was on the Amnats. He's on Fox News as well. Just recently with Sean Hannity. So he is out there and he is not going to, you know, to Mark's point, um, Joe Biden might not have come out as strongly mm -hmm. as Trudeau did saying, you know, maximum restraint. But there is still that narrative about the humanitarian aspect of this that is out there. But, you know, it's Netanyahu who has to clap back all the time and say, listen, this is what has happened here. This is, you know, they were deliberately targeting citizens uh, and civilians. And, uh, you know, what Hamas has done, it has to be constantly reminded. And so, you know, I think, mm -hmm. again, to Mark's point, you know, Biden might not have come out with such a statement, but there is that concern. But again, you know, you're always going to hear from the Israelis who started this. And Mark, I think I think I, what I would ask is, like, what is maximum restraint? I wish a journalist had done that. I hate doing that. And because and, I know in the moment you're like, ah, I should have said this, should have said that. But define maximum restraint, because as Steph put it, it's almost an oxymoron. What does he mean by that? Just give me an example. And we never seem to get those examples sometimes from our leaders. 
Well, maximum restraint, I'd like to, you know, we should be asking the Hamas terrorists what that is and what they comply with it. Terrorists do not follow international laws. They never have and they never will. They use human shields. And that is the downside to this whole thing. It is ugly. But the other piece that we have to look at as Canadians is that our Jewish community is scared right now, right across our country. They're scared if they own a business, going to school because of the behaviors that are going on. So I, I think words do matter. We have to be careful in what we say in this particular thing. And so I just try to strip line it to what it is. It is it was a terrorist act that has caused all of this. And it is a group that is going to say they're going to do it again and again and again. Hamas has to be eliminated. Yeah. I mean, I heard it as uh, it, it was Hamas de- declaring war on Israel and then war comes back at them. And war things are going to happen during war and and they're not all defensible and they're certainly not all pretty in fact many of them are gruesome i want to get local um and talk about um sarah jam uh, yesterday she opened a new constituency office she's the current independent mpp that was booted from the ndp caucus four weeks ago um she was in hamilton yesterday i i don't like this clip one bit but i'll i'll reserve more thoughts and find out what you think about it this uh this, these were two horrific conspiracy theories that, to me, reek of anti-Semitism. Here's what she said yesterday. The ability for a government to be influenced by the Zionist lobby, because it has been disproven publicly. Like the IDF themselves have said there's no actual evidence of these rapes and the babies with their heads cut off. Like All these things are pieces of misinformation. Um, so I think this shows the strength of the Zionist lobby here in Canada and the ways in which they're able to pressure an entire government operation to censor me indefinitely until I apologize. Okay, so she basically lower, like she lowballs um, the horrific nature of the October seventh attacks. Accuses the Zionist lobby of pressuring the entire government operation to accept this misinformation. Um, Mark, it, like that's not easy for people with sensitivity to the current conflict to listen to. Um, I think we're getting a sense why, to be honest, why uh, Queens Park wanted to censure her. And it's a very difficult position. To me, those are dangerous comments. And if you continue to make dangerous comments regularly, you're a dangerous person. Yeah, especially when people who are voted into leadership capacity. And, and you know what? This is this is what the big picture is. When you provide disinformation, you, you provide disinformation to feed the narrative. The negative narrative. So don't think for a minute that other terrorist organizations and ideologies are not watching this template play out and seeing what we are doing and seeing how it is causing great divide amongst all of us. At the end of the day, if we're going to be factual, when we talk about those Hamas terrorists that were arrested and that they were debriefed and they're talking, they made it very clear about the slaughtering and what they did and that they're going to get paid $10,000 each for a hostage and a place to live and all of these things. This whole thing is ugly, but what makes it uglier is the misinformation, the disinformation. And I hope that her 15 minutes somehow comes to uh, it's over with because this is not moving anything forward. It is moving things in a, in a backwards manner. Steph, three times since she was elected as an MPP, and that's back last February, she has apologized for what others have deemed, and she won't necessarily say it, as anti-Semitic comments. She's apologized for factors thereof. But when you hear that yesterday, um, it's not somebody that's learning a lesson. I just shake my head and go, you know, why? And, you know, perhaps she needs to be invited to the Israeli consulate to see what journalists had to see, you know, last Monday, um, you know, what, what happened with the terrorist attack, with the Hamas attackers in Israel to to see a, some, some truth there, you know. So uh, when you 
hear this being perpetuated, this kind of speech, it is really concerning. And, you know, what's the next step? What can be done? You know, I don't know, but it, it's not adding any uh, any good to this conversation. If I were a liberal MPP or an NDP MPP, Steph, at the same time, I'd speak out. I, I, I can't let like how long can can you let something go and go? We want to completely disassociate ourselves from these comments. We don't care that this person used to sit in a caucus with us. Here's another example of not only why she doesn't, but why she shouldn't. I just I'm hearing it on the conservative side. And I'm like, can our politicians just be people once in a while and not ideologies? I want to hear people say that these comments are wrong. Well, they have to be asked, you know, for comment. And that's the first step. I know that, you know, it's it's like kryptonite. You you don't want to touch it if you don't have to. Is that is that uh, and Mark would understand this, Mm. too. It's that um, upsetting of a, a topic. Right. And you can say the wrong thing just so easily. It's such a, a thin line. So, you know, she maybe it's time that other people in government are asked about this and their opinions. Are, you know, the conservatives, some have spoken out, but you know, just ask them and get their opinion and they might dodge it or you might hear something that is more definitive and might make a difference. Mark, would you want to hear MPPs um, criticize these comments today and, and, and call them out for what they are? So I'm sure it will matter, uh, and I'm sure that people will speak up on this just because of the nature of what was said and how it was said. But th- th- this speaks to the power of the vote and and, and who you vote for. And um, let's hope that there are better days ahead uh, mm-hmm. come next election. Mark Saunders is our guest. Stephanie Smythe is our guest. You're listening to Think Tank on 640 Toronto. An incident happened yesterday morning I want to get to, and they have located the driver, but we know very little about this right now. But I'll tell you both that driving around downtown Toronto, and it often happens early in the morning, um, I see people sleeping on the street. It's terrible that they are, but they're sleeping right at intersections and really close to some of the heating grates, which are close to the road. But a homeless man was struck and killed in downtown Toronto at 6.40 a.m. yesterday. I had a similar incident in which I was pulling into a gas station um, where I am in Ajax. I turned right into the lot, and had I not been paying close enough attention, I easily could have run over this person who was passed out. So we don't have the solution for this. But, Mark, I'll start with you here. This seems like a difficult job for the police to find out for certain if the driver knew what he he had done in this case. No, listen, it saddens me that there's loss of life. And and we're talking about homelessness, food insecurity and all of these other issues. And, and, you know, as a as a driver of a vehicle, vehicles stay on the road. You know, traffic reconstruction will figure this whole thing out to figure out whether or not it was it was accidental or, or unintentional, the, the weather, the, the lighting and all of those things. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're right. When you spoke about you almost hit someone uh, throughout my career, there are moments where it was unavoidable with drivers driving and then someone, the pedestrian steps out out of nowhere. And it is catastrophic to that driver. And, and they mm-hmm. will never be the same as a result of that. So I, I, I do understand that. Um, in this particular case, whether or not that person knew what they had done or not is is up to once the reconstruction is done, we'll, we'll figure out. It's too early right now to figure out exactly what happened, whether intentional or, or they knew and continued on. But it is so sad that uh, that a homeless person, as a result of the end of the day, has, has lost their life. It's quite a frightening thing, isn't it, Stephanie? Um, because, yeah, there's, there's a person's life. How did that happen? How did that person get there? What could we have done? What could he have done? And at the same time, you're, you're driving your car here and there. And I, we've all had people wander out almost in front of us or 
it, it, it's just it, it's got tremendous peril to drive around downtown mm-hmm. and see and see these poor people. Right. And, you know, it was 630 in the morning, if I'm correct. So, mm-hmm. you know, and now it's just so dark in the mornings again. Well, it did get a little bit better after the time change. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's dark out. I mean, as Mark said, like, you don't know about was there distracted driving involved? You just don't mm-hmm. expect you know, a person experiencing homelessness to be, you know, that close to a curbside. So, you know, my hope is this was just not just, but a tragic mm-hmm. accident. And, you know, it just, if nothing else, I guess it's just a, a wake up call, literally to be so aware mm-hmm. of your surroundings at all times. This is this story, quite a development. Um, tragic death of a hockey player in Great Britain's top league. Uh, Adam Johnson was born in Minnesota, played a few games with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but he's overplaying in Sheffield in England. And he passed away on the ice after taking a skate blade to the neck after a collision from a player named Matt Petgrave. They collided. He's from Toronto. So this has its complications. But Petgrave was charged with manslaughter yesterday. Now, I think, Mark, we all think sports fields, courts, arenas, sometimes there can be, um, you know, a, a, a legal pursuit, a lawsuit. But usually they're not a battleground for potential police charges. It, 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 in a case like this, Mark, do you, this is remarkably unusual. But I'm asking you how unusual a case like this is in in, in your history. No, it is unusual. And again, a sad story because I, I remember reading about it and I believe that uh, Adam Johnson, who, who passed, was in the, in the process of proposing to his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, and so here we are. But, you know, putting on the police lens and the fact that uh, it took a while to lay the charges and it was manslaughter. So, I mean, manslaughter means that they can't prove that the death was uh, with criminal intent. But it can kind of show that the behavior or the actions were assaulted in nature and that the person who caused those actions should have known or ought to have known that it may have caused someone's death. So it, it's it's that area where, um, you know, you've got to put the facts together and reviewing if there's any video or witnesses to show that uh, it wasn't intentional. The, the investigation has shown that. So that's a starting point of this particular case. And it's just sad from every single angle. So terrible, Stefan. We've watched our own kids play sports and we, we struggle with the idea of a collision or something happening uh, mm-hmm. at top speed. Um, but you never we, we never see this. You you would have been you know remembering the morning after Todd Bertuzzi landed on top of tr- another Toronto wow. native, Steve Moore. And mm-hmm. there was such a legal battle about that because Moore never played hockey again. But we didn't see Bertuzzi in handcuffs and we didn't see him in a criminal trial. So it, it, it's a, it's got this terrible oddness to a tremendous tragedy. Yeah, I just don't understand. You know, I'm glad Mark's here to comment on this kind of thing mm-hmm. to uh, shed some light on. It. I'm thinking, like, do, would they look back and see was there bad blood between the two players? But maybe, you know, since it's manslaughter, Mark kind of just cleared that up by saying, you know, they don't mm-hmm. see intent or anything. But, you know, from what just looks like the most horrific unimaginable accident to a manslaughter charge is, is shocking to me. And, you know, if you're playing hockey, you know, it's a dangerous sport. It can be anyway. And, you know, for, for a skate to go up and when you're falling, you know, you, you bend your knee and you're suddenly your blades in the air and then just have that happen. It's just, yeah. to me, I can't, it, it all looks so accidental, but you know, I, I'm not there behind the scenes investigating and I don't know if there is public outcry or some, something like that, that helped or put pressure on police. And I don't know if that ever has how much impact that has on police, but it's just overall, it's, it's shocking to me that there are charges 
And I'm interested to hear, you know, the outcome of how and why. Yeah, the case is going to get a lot of attention. All right, let's mm-hmm. end. Let's end this in the last few minutes. Fun travel hypothesis we're seeing this morning. Amtrak and Via Rail are talking about a once-a-day express train from Toronto to Chicago and from Chicago to Toronto. I think we all look at if we've ever ridden Amtrak in the states in New York. You come into Penn Station, you're like, wow, this is organized. And it's not to dump on Via Rail, Mark. But this would be amazing to be able to go to big time American cities on the train, not worry about the airport and certainly not drive. Have to love the sound of this, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Seeing backyards from Toronto all the way to Chicago would be fantastic. <laughs> you know, but You'd see more than that. <laughs> no, I'm serious. No, because the fact that we're developing our, our, our lakefront, it would be a fantastic opportunity for tourism. And, it, you know, it would be just another vehicle of getting more people to a great city that we live in. Steph, you're the international traveler amongst <laughs> us. What about this? Would, I mean, is that, that's a long time, maybe. I, some people have estimated this would take 10 hours, but right. you'd end up in uh, Chicago. I was going to ask, okay, once I had to take a, a, the Northlander from Kirkland Lake to Toronto, that was 14 hours. And that was, I could have been in Australia. That was a milk route, right? So um, we're talking about Chicago. As long as they don't make stops, you know, at every small town along the way, 10 hours is a long time. But you know what? Real travel is so fantastic and it can be so fun. So the more, the better. I heard you saying 2027 for this to actually become a reality. If it becomes a reality, we just need to really get moving with rail travel in uh, in North America, if you ask me, or at least Canada, right? It's just, I think it'd be a fantastic solution to, uh, to avoiding those airports, as you say. Yeah, I hope so. It's Amtrak, it's via rail, it's big names. There might be a 48-minute stop in Ingersoll, but what, you know, there's, there's a lot to do there. There's cheese. <laughs> There's a, there's a there's a car dealership. We can look at go look at some EV batteries. Guys, I loved having you both on this morning. Thanks very much for the time. Take care. Thanks, Greg. There's Mark Saunders, former police chief of the city of Toronto, and the amazing Stephanie Smythe.